once more, the drama begins. The Emperor Paul Muhadib on his ascension to the Lion Throne. Welcome to Reading Dune, a podcast where we read Dune Messiah by Frank Herbert and talk about it. If you're a Fremen or a first-time reader, this podcast is for you. My name is Caleb Pauls. And I'm Evan Diaz. And together, we're going to read some Dune. Yeah, we are. Today, we have a guest on the show for the very first time. Simon is from Dune News Net. Simon, you want to just introduce yourself and say hi to the people? Uh, sure. Uh, first time caller, long time listener. Um, honestly, guys, thank you so much for having me on. Uh, I'm part of DuneNewsNet.com, um, where we cover pretty much Dune News. Also, we, we have our own little show uh, called Dune Talk, and where we cover everything. We cover the movie news, we cover the books, we spoil stuff, but we try not to, okay, for new... New people, uh, toys, comics, everything. Your one hub news uh, for Dune, and we're really excited to you know work with you guys and do some some podcasting, some love for Frank Herbert's masterpiece. Yeah, yeah. Dune Newsnet is great for all of your movie news. Anything about like the possible Ben A. Jesuit show coming to HBO? That stuff we will just talk about in passing here. They'll dive into casting and all that stuff so that's definitely a resource we are not those people we yeah, are the, the stuff we don't <laughs> talk about uh, yeah we're trying to keep everything in less than an hour and that's just that's just one chapter at a time <laughs> there's so much more in the dune world that could be covered but yeah, yeah. our film commentary was insane i think it was like 10 hours or something <laughs> <laughs> we're like well look at this shot right here so denis put the camera here <laughs> because you know xiaomi was going to walk in right here and oscar isaac is looking down at the cemetery because he know he's dune oh uh, yeah that, <laughs> probably the denis commentary isn't that long right and but i would still that sounds great that's funny uh so okay first things first Man, this quote right at the beginning, I oh, think, yeah. is spectacular. And the music I put to <laughs> Messiah, I just feel it's extra epic. And this quote is so small <laughs> that right. the music just goes on for like a good minute. Right. When there's nothing there, just builds up once more. The drama begins. <laughs> Which is so kinda, sad. Yeah. Just kind of feels like Paul, Paul starting off this chapter by going like, all right, here we go again. You know, like, I mean, yes, a hundred percent. So, uh, especially uh, here we go again. I just want to say thank you to everybody who has purchased merch from yeah. the website, readingdune.com. Um, we, we're getting orders every day. Our inboxes are flooded with people wanting hats and mugs. No one wants a shirt though. So we may <laughs> take those off. Everyone's digging the digging the mug. I feel good about it. I feel good about it. It is. And when people are posting in pictures, they got it, what they're drinking, when, what, what the coffee they're drinking it with. Yeah. It just, I don't know. There's something special inside that I know there's a bunch of people out there that are keeping it spicy. For sure. For sure. Maybe we should have a show off your merch channel on the Discord. I think we should. We just mm. I should show your merch. We'll add that as soon as this episode's over. <laughs> Also, I just want to thank everybody who's donated on Patreon. Um, if you're watching this, you're here with us live on YouTube. You can see that our, our list of people on Patreon is getting longer and longer and bigger and bigger. I'm going to figure out another way to showcase how many people are supporting this show. I just want to say thank you. Uh, this show would not exist without people like you. Thank you. Okay. Once more. The drama begins. Oh, Jim says we should make sure to say blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> just how I, uh, if you're just listening, this is your first chapter and you want to know who hate is. Um, yeah, that blur, blur, blur is how I talk about the guild <laughs> navigators. And we'll get some of that today. 
So perfect. Here we go. All right, let's start this chapter. So we get this chapter. We start in a very weird place. We start in Aaliyah's secret spy window. So she has her own little cubby that she like gets into and has a little peephole and she can just peep on everything that's happening. Right. Where was that? It's above Paul it's like somewhere. In the in the like rafters somewhere, like in the in the ceiling. Yeah. That's what I pictured. Room. Yeah. That's what I pictured. She was just like, Where's my brother up to? Right. Me, that? me that's that's what I thought as well. I just I always want to make sure sometimes I'll just like read into something that's like not there at all. Yeah. No, yeah. So that's that's where she's there. And I think that's good for Paul. Paul probably wants her there if he's honest. Right. We're honest about it because she's going to see things from a totally different perspective. And she's got like a thousand years of wisdom stored in a little 15 year old body. And she's so, even more creepy now. And she's especially yeah. more yeah. creepy. For sure. So, all right. She's in her secret spy window and she's looking down at the great reception hall. And I think we need to overemphasize how big this hall is. Mm. It is huge. And when you're walking down it, and we'll get to this in another chapter where somebody has to make a very long walk down this hall, it is supposed to make you feel small. At the end, at the end of this is just Paul in his whole in his throne on the lion throne in this radiance. And all you can do is stare at him. And the wall, the the whole floor is made of this blue and green mosaic tile, which is supposed to look like water. Something we also saw earlier on in Farouk's house, right? This imagery of water is now brought everywhere. It's this symbol of opulence. And Aliyah is watching the entrance of the guild entourage and the steersman himself in a giant blue orange tank. From her vantage point, the steersman and the entourage are approaching the lion throne and looks like a hunter stalking their prey through the waters of the deep. So I Paul, saw, I pictured like them like the wording was just so descriptive that I, it, it seemed like they were like dancing their way down the, the yeah. hall. You know what I mean? I mean, you can get that swimming motion almost. You kind of feel it. Oh, yeah. You know, as, as I don't know how, well, it's never actually described how the guild steersmen in their big tubes of tanks move. It's probably just in a linear line. But he's probably just doing a little swerve as he's moving it along or something. But yeah, there's right. definitely this stalking, sh- this hunting thing is hunting you. Yeah. Which is. Uh, directly what's happening, right? Because the steersman, as we're going to go on, is this is the trap that's being set out. He's going to set the trap before him. So, Aaliyah's up in her secret spy window. Right below her is Paul, who sits on the lion throne. He's wearing a formal crown with a fish and fist emblems. Which is really interesting because... Is it? Yeah. (laughs) So, hear this out. Uh, the fish, it's iconic. It's Jesus-like, you know. Okay. But there's a fist. So I'm a god, but I'm going to create a genocide at the same time. It's very yang and yang when you think about it. It's yeah. very peaceful with the fish, but the fist is like, yeah, I'm going to take you down. But I'm going to love you. And you're going to love me. And the fish isn't native to Arrakis either. That's another sign of opulence. Yeah. I mean, we know... Arrakis didn't have water for such a long time, and Caladan was known for fishing. So maybe he commissioned someone being like, okay, so this is what I'm picturing. A fist and a little fish. Can we, can we, can we make this happen? Yeah. A fish would probably be like a unicorn on Arrakis, you know? Like, right. You can't, or like some mythical creature, it'd be like, there's no way that exists, you know? It would be stuff of legends like, wait, a fish? What is that? It's a being that can only survive submerged in water. They're like, what? <laughs> what is <laughs> I, I mean, I'm just surprised it's not a giant sandworm. If right. I'm completely honest, like I'm a giant sandworm for the imagery of 
a god just sounds appropriate. But, you know, yeah. it's neither here nor there. Um, he's trying to be humble. He's trying to be <laughs> humble. Well, okay, you're right. He's, he's only trying to be humble, covered in golden jeweled robes. And there's a shimmer of a personal shield that's surrounding him. Right. Just humble guy, you know. <laughs> and I love how there's a, he's got a shield around. Like, all right, so we take... Remember the first time we saw the emperor, he's like dressed in his Sardaukar, like I am a man of the people kind of thing. Well, Paul has moved completely away from this. Right. When the steersmen are, interact with him, Paul's like, no, 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 no. I'm wearing gold and robes and I want my personal shield. I want you to see me that I glimmer. Which is funny because shields also aren't good on Arrakis. So it's, we're just throwing away Arakeen customs completely here. He's definitely got mixed mixed branding happening with his whole like emperor situation. It's like some of it's Fremen, some of it's Imperial, some of it's just like wacky left field. Has nothing to do with either, you know? Yeah. Look, he was going through his Kanye fit. <laughs> Kanye, and he's like, I'm gonna be like Kanye for now on. <laughs> Call me Muhadib. <laughs> I All like right. the old Atreides. I like the old Paul. <laughs> <laughs> so the bodyguards are fanned out on the diocese down to the floor. Stilgar is there, two steps to the right of Paul, and he's standing in white robes with a yellow rope as a belt. So no still suit, just in white, which I also feel is weird for Arrakis. I feel like that would get dirty really easily. Again, <laughs> neither here nor there. But Paul was focused on the man in the right front corner of the entourage as it was coming towards them. He's dressed in orange robes and has steely metal eyes, which don't look to the left or to the right. The face beneath the curly black hair was a face Paul had seen before. Every gesture from the approaching man shouted a familiar identity. Who was it? Evan, who was it? In Idaho. Bum, bum, bum. Then we get Aaliyah's perspective. It shoots back up to the secret peephole. She's like, it couldn't be Duncan, but it was. Captive memories absorbed in the womb during the moment her mother's spice changed identified this man as Duncan. And Aaliyah knew Paul knew it was also Duncan. Paul shuddered in her private spy room. This was a Telaxu Gova and being reconstructed from the dead flesh of the original. That original had perished, saving Paul. This could only be a product of the Axtol, Axtol tanks. Oh, crap. I forgot to look that word up before. Simon, how do you say that? Uh, dude, between my crazy English and my French, it would be like, <laughs> I don't know. It would be the Axtol tanks. No, I think you say it properly. Like, I, I remember reading the, well, reading the audiobook, listening right. to the audiobook. And I think that's pretty accurate. I mean, listening... To audiobooks is reading that counts to me. I know this is a real word. It's not a made-up word. It's uh, it has to I'm do with. Up. Oh, oh, it's you. axolotl. Axolotl. Thank you. Sure, that makes sense. It's We're a, all about learning here at Reading Dune. <laughs> it's a tiger salamander. What do we know yeah. interesting about salamanders? Um, this one in particular, I know for a fact, is very cute. Axolotl <laughs> before. <laughs> They have like the little face. They're like, oh, they're just like adorable to be here all the time. Yeah, if you if you Google image search an axolotl, they're real cute. So axolotls are usual are unusual among amphibians in that they reach adulthood without undergoing metamorphosis. So they just that joke of you were just born old. That's what they are. So I also Wikipedia. I just I did not make that up. I read it. Nice. All right, axolotl. Got it. Woo! <laughs> I'm going to mess that up again. We'll just say that right now. All right. So the group came within and stopped within 10 paces of the dais. Paul nodded to the guild ambassador, saying, I am told your name is Edric. We welcome you to our court and hope that you will bring new understanding between us. So here's, here's my question. Either one of you could answer, why is Edric here? Besides the obvious of the trap, he's there for another reason. I want to say it's like a PR stunt to make him look good. So in the, what was it? Not the last, maybe it was the last chapter. Yeah, it was the last chapter. They're talking about the guild wants to have a um, embassy on Arrakis. Oh, yeah. yeah. 
And uh, Edric is their chosen ambassador to Arrakis from the guild, right? And of course, Paul wouldn't let this happen for so long. And then, of course, Stilgar and Corbo were like, no way, Jose. And then Paul was like, no, 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 this needs to happen now. Why does it need to happen now? Bum, bum, bum. Even though we're going to get later on that Paul didn't know this was coming, he, f- I, didn't, I think he could feel something was happening mm. in the universe, maybe. Andrew Floyd on YouTube says, convenient, huh? Yeah, <laughs> of course. Wasn't there? Mm-hmm. There's some some something that happens with like the prescience, with like two like a two prescient people will like cancel each other out. Yeah, they can't see each other. They can only see where each other has been. It's weird. So like, if they're on the same planet, if they're like always near each other, what's that? What happens? I think it's the back to the future effect. Like they can't be next to each other <laughs> because then they'll sleep with their mom. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then rewrite history. No, but I, uh, I honestly, that was a good one. Um, Sorry. I honestly I think there. it would just have like a mental block on them. Okay. Kind of like maybe they're tripping out like, whoa, you're too close. You're like, I don't know. There's something weird about it. It, Yeah. I imagine it's like, uh, it's like when there's something stuck in your eye and it's like blurry Uh and only have that one eye in that one spot. It's kind of probably how there, there is, with their like ocular vision and they're seeing their prescience. You can kind of see the future just as blurry in that one spot. Gotcha. Gotcha. All right. So the steersman, Edric floated around in his giant orange tank he popped a melange capsule. You know, he needs to get high again right before this, this encounter. <laughs> I want to make sure my intentions are hidden. And then he meets Paul's gaze, coughing and then rasping in an uninvolved voice, said, I abase myself before my emperor and beg leave to my present to, pr- to present my credentials and offer a small gift. Now, I, I didn't do the blur blur burbs here. <laughs> Because this is a formal setting, and oh. I think he's using a translator. Oh, sure. Yeah. I, th- I think that there's like a, this is, uh, he doesn't want him, his full intentions to be really known, because we know Edric would give it away just like that. He would fish splain everything he's trying to do, so he's trying to just <laughs> just slowly kind of fake. So, Paul, that. we got you this gift. It reminds you of one of your best friends and one of your trainers, but it's not really him, but it's him. But you'll find out soon enough what we want to do with, with you. So, right. So, right. So, they, the credentials happen. It's still a formal event. He's the ambassador, right? And the aide passes it up to Stilgar. Stilgar looks at it. Mm-hmm. Nods to Paul. And now both Stilgar and Paul are staring at the Goa, who's just sitting there waiting patiently, minding his own business. Paul says to Edric, without taking his eyes off the Gola, explain the gift. Edric rolled around in his tank saying, this is a man called Hate. H-A-Y-T. According to our investigators, he is the, has a most curious history. He was killed here on Arrakis from a, a grievous head wound, which required many months of regrowth. When I was but- reading this, sorry, when I was reading this last night, I literally saw his head just like a time lapse. It like growing. Like <laughs> right? Dented in as a Yeah. It's like a 3D printer kind of. <laughs> right. So the Bedrick says the body was sold to the Benny the Benny Tlalax as a master swordsman. It has come to our attention this must be Duncan Idaho, a trusted retainer of your household. We brought him as a gift befitting an emperor. Paul is silent, staring at the Gola. Like, no shit you knew it was Duncan Idaho. Like, <laughs> you stumbled upon this fact and happened to give it to me as a, as a gesture of gratefulness? No. Yeah. No. By the way, sorry for the snoring. There, there's a little pug down here, and his <laughs> name is actually Duncan Idaho. That's no how much I love it. That's how much I love Dune, and I I love that character. So, which is funny because usually when I record, he's never near me because he's like, "Oh, you're gonna be talking about me today." 
Okay, cool. He knows. He knows. He knows what's up. So uh, hopefully he's... Well, never mind. Here we go. Edric peered up at Paul. Is it not Idaho, sire? Restraint and caution gripped Paul's voice. He has aspects of Idaho. The man, stood, the man known as Hate stood impassively, his metal eyes fixed ahead. Edric speaks up again. According to our best knowledge, it's Idaho. He's called Hate now, Paul said. Curious name. Edric quickly rebuttals, not to leave any room for like silence or Paul to think about anything. Sir, there is no knowing how the Tleilaxu who picked their names. Names can be changed. The Tleilaxu name is of little importance. Like, yeah, 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 don't, don't think about the name. Which, why did they just call him Duncan if it was such a big idea? I'm so confused. Well, here, this is or something like, I've Timmy. always fought. Yeah. Timmy. <laughs> Here's something I've always fought. Do you think his name is Hate? Because in some way, in the back of Paul's head, he hates everything that's happened when the attack on Hurricane happened and he could never save Duncan. Like he has hatred of that moment in his life. Mm. Like there, there is a lot to unpack. And we, I mean, I don't even know the real answer here. And he gets into it. It was like he, and, and he, Paul says, we need to keep the name hate because you're not Duncan. And I need that caution because otherwise I will trust you too soon. Yep. And there needs to be that, like, you you look like my friend and act like my friend, but you are not my friend. Therefore, there is something that I need to hate about this whole situation that so keeps me on guard. I don't know. I think it's a very interesting name. I don't know why Frank picked it. Um, I didn't know it was even pronounced hate until I listened to the audiobook. So glad I did that. Axis seven seven on YouTube says, "I always pronounced it height." See, hmm. there's enough of us out there that don't know how to pronounce this. <laughs> well, when I first heard the audiobook, when they said "hate," I thought it was like eight, like I hate you, like that. And then I saw it spelled, I was like, "Huh, interesting." Yeah, and I, and I mean, and even Edric says it's it's hate, and then he spells it out H A Y T. Of course, he would. <laughs> so. Paul says he's called hate. That's a little weird. Edric rebuttals. We don't know how the Tleilaxu picks their names. Paul thought to himself that if the Tleilaxu are involved, that this is bad. The Benny Tleilax held little attachment to phenomenal nature. Good and evil carried strange meanings in their philosophy. What might they have incorporated in Idaho's flesh out of design or whim? Paul looked at Stilgar. Stilgar hates everything about this. He hates the guildsmen. He hates the Tleilaxu. He hates Golas. He's still that nice Fremen we want him to be. Right. Paul then addressed the steely-eyed Gola. Hate, is that your only name? A smile spread over the Gola's face. The middle eyes lifted to look at Paul. That is how I am called, my lord. Hate. Aaliyah, in her spy hole, after hearing the Gola's voice, knew it was him. It was Duncan. Hate says the name means nothing to him. And Paul asks, do you remember anything from your past? Hate says he remembers nothing. All that remains, however, are the patterns set by his genes. And sometimes he remembers familiar things like voices, places, foods, faces, sounds, and the feeling of a sword in his hand or the controls of a thopter. Paul asks if Hate knows he's a gift. He does. Paul sits back, resting on the arms of his throne. He thought to himself, do I owe anything to Duncan's flesh? Duncan did save him, but this isn't Idaho. This is a Gola. Right. So Paul was kind of probing here. Are you Duncan? Are you hate? What is your programming? What are you here to do? You look like my friend and sound like my friend. Are you my friend? friend i think he's trying to dig down in there what is underneath all of that programming it's called reverse psychology that's hey. what paul's doing right there just being like so what's up how do you know me yeah did you know alito by any chance <laughs> you're right just a bunch of leading questions trying to get the answer yeah 
Yet, right in front of Paul, here he was, his teacher, his best friend, the one who taught him everything about fighting with a blade. But this flesh, this Gola, was full of false impressions. The old associations would persist. There was This was Duncan in a Gola mask, which I was, thought was very interesting. It's like uh, the Gola is wearing Duncan, not Duncan wearing the Gola yeah. like the Benny Thalaxu yeah. want, which I always thought was very interesting. So Paul asks him, how might you serve us? Hate replies, in any way my word wishes and my capabilities agree. This looked like Duncan, but with his flesh had been cleansed. This was a pure surface for the Tleilaxu to write their schemes on. Historically, the Tleilaxu displayed a disturbing lack of inhibitions in making their creations. They boasted they could make anything from the proper human material. They sold killer mentats, killer medics, human sex toys for any whim, soldiers, generals, philosophers, and occasionally a moralist. Question, Evan. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, okay. It said they'd produced a killer medic overcoming the souk inhibitions against the taking of human life to do it. Yeah. Are we talking about a, a specific killer medic? You're thinking one that starts with the letter Y and ends with a UE? <laughs> yeah, possibly. <laughs> uh, it's like so close of a description that I'm like, did they do that? Like, is that what this sentence is saying? Um, actually, yeah, we can go into this. I mentioned it in that chapter with Yui. And this is, again, this is uh, encyclopedia knowledge, which is not quite canon. But the question was, how did they get Yui to break his code, his, his Souk doctor code, right? Right. And the rumor, the oral histories, you may say, um, was that... Piter came down with face dancers as Juana to trick him into believing that she was a lie to break his conditioning so he would act out of love and hate versus just hate over the Harkonnens. Um, so that that could be... They, they did probably make something in that that had broken yeah. the things. Killer Mentats, so Twisted Mentats also come from the Tleilaxu. So I'm sure the Baron had a very close relationship so he can get what he wanted. I think of the movie with the giant spider that looked like a human sex toy, maybe. Um, so there's lots of, lots of things. These guys are, are yeah. they do anything they want in any way just to see how things work out. Yeah. And you can so, do it in four easy payments of 1999. <laughs> <laughs> so, it, so it could have been them that yeah. did that, like, messed with Yui, is what, yes. is what we're saying. Okay. Great. Yeah. 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 Good I like the face. I like the face dancer idea that it was totally messing with Yui because she was probably dead by that time. But, right. hey, I'm, I need your help. They're keeping me hostage. Help me. Kind of that whole help me, Obi Wan, but not really. Right. Right, and which which caused him to turn and do all the stuff. Right. So again, we do not trust the Benny Tleilax. They cannot be trusted. No. Sketchy. As far as we can throw them, they're sketchy, for sure. So Paul now directed his attention at Edric. All right. So since he's not going to give me any information, how about you? How has this gift been trained? Edric says that Hate has been trained as a mentat and a Zen Sunni philosopher. And they attempted to make him a better swordsman, but they were unable to tell if they were successful because he was already the best in, in the whole Imperium. <laughs> He's so, kind of a big deal. So, Simon, can you break down what a Zen Sunni philosopher is for us? I'll put you <sighs> on the spot. All right, without spoiling stuff, um, it's someone... Imagine a Zen Buddhist. That's what I would go with the best kind of at peace with themselves. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'm completely wrong, but that's the way I've always looked at it. Very calm and analyze everything and not jump the gun, not being like, well, we got to do this right away. Just being like very Spock. If yeah, we're bringing yeah. up other franchises, kind yeah, of yeah. like overthinking everything being like, yeah, we can do this because of this and this, not just being like, okay, we got this. We're going to do this right now. Right. And that's the way I looked at it. someone very calm and, at peace with themselves, very still, you know, very stoic in a way. That's the way I look at it. I don't know without 
talking about further books, it's kind of hard, but Caleb, am I close to? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like the the Fremen are Zen Sunni by nature, right? It's that we're looking at how the universe is balanced and they pulling the Zen from Zen Buddhism and the Sunni from Sunni Islam and they were they're merged together. Um, very logical way, very poetic on how the world works, right? The Fremen would take water for the good of the tribe, right? This is almost a poetic act as well as balancing how things are all together. So a mentat, which Paul is, Zen Sunni, which he has pretty much adopted in order to become a Fremen god. This is like his perfect um, mental sparring match. So he's like, not only is he great with a sword, but now he can spar with me mentally as well, which I think probably just turns Paul on because the only thing person that can really do that is a sister. Right. So he's like, ooh, all right, cool. Somebody else I can kind of like. this. Hate is designed to tempt Paul, and they did this on purpose. Um, Anna Van Loon on YouTube says, they just tried to make him a bestie. Yeah, That's Paul all. just needed a best friend, and they want, they're like, who better than his old best friend? Because you know Stilgart's kind of a jerk. <laughs> he's always been that weird uncle we don't really like. And he's so grumpy. <laughs> like Duncan was always like, hey, Paul, you want to go fly some, you want to go fly? I'll teach you how to do some swords trick. Right, you know, right. Pick up right. on the girls. <laughs> right, Dad, Duncan was always with the ladies. Yep. So, all right, so Paul listened. Truth Sense told him that Edric believed that Ida, the Gola was Idaho, but the name Hate spoke of peril. Paul felt tempted to reject this gift. He knew he couldn't choose this way, though. That deep Atreides sincerity in him would not let go of Duncan's flesh. Even if he was a Gola, and of course his enemies knew this. Paul asked if the Gola, do you like the name Hate or Duncan better? Goa literally has no preference. So Paul asks him, how does the name Duncan Idaho make you feel? Looking for any hope that Duncan is in here somewhere. The Goa laughs, which catches everybody off guard. Looking for signs in others, which reveal my former self. Do you see such signs here? Paul says. Oh, yes, my lord. Your man Stilgar is caught between suspicion and admiration. He was friend to my former self, but this goal of flesh repels him. You, my lord, admired the man I was, and you trusted him. Paul asks, how can he submit himself to servitude and bondage to Paul if he has that quote-unquote cleansed mind? The goal responds that a quote-unquote cleansed mind makes decisions in the presence of unknowns without cause and effect. Paul scowled. So, Go ahead. As as someone that totally believes in cause and effect, it's a very existentialist chapter for me. Yeah. You know, I believe if you have cause and effect, like you do something, if you're being an asshole in the world, karma's gonna get you back. Right. And if you put out good deeds and you try making an effort, like maybe, you know without going totally personally, I practiced Buddhism, you know, for several years, 11 years now, and looking at it and really going, hey, I'm going to make a change in the world. I'm going to go the the extra effort. And Paul's just like, well, this guy doesn't believe in cause and effect. That's weird. It's it's tricky. Yeah. It's right. And this is totally a Zen Sunni way of looking at the world. Like, uh, in the presence of unknowns, if I have no idea what's going to happen, I just... I'm not going to think about what's next. I'm just going to go, which I can, I can kind of understand this, but like Paul is even pondering now, like unknowns, unknowns lay at the core of every decision, even like in his ocular vision in his prescience, right? If there's an unknown event. He can see which, of which, which events going to cause all of these things in either way. And he's like, Ugh. and even in like in the nexus events, he can just move forward, but it's like, oh, I'm, uh, what? So, of course, Paul is turned on by this mental thinking. So, he asks him another leading question. You'd prefer we call you Duncan Idaho. The Gola says he doesn't care. 
So Paul responds saying, all right, your name shall be hate because it inspires caution not to trust this being. With that, hate bowed and took a step back. Their interview is now over. <laughs> Which Aaliyah was like, how did he know? What's going on? So she's very into this right now. Paul then turns to Edric saying how they've set up his quarters, right? And he should wait there until called upon. Paul also thinks it's important for Edric to know that the Reverend Mother Gaius Helmahayim, bum bum bum, was removed from the highliner that brought him. Grandma. Grandmama. <laughs> she was there hiding, but not anymore. He found him. And that her presence on the ship will be part of their later talks. Like, um, she we're going to talk about this. Yeah, that's the shit. Why were you hiding her from me? With a wave of his hand, Paul dismissed the envoy, but bait, but beckoned hate to remain. I love that line, by the way. That is Paul Maldid, like, I am God Emperor right now, just being like, go, go. Hey, you, you stay. We're going to talk a little bit. Yeah. So the entourage and the giant orange tank slowly turn around and leave the Great Hall, which I imagine took some time because it's a very big hall. <laughs> and everyone's just sitting there in silence watching him leave. Like, dun, 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 dun. As they leave the room completely, doors closed, moisture seals all locked up. Paul thought to himself, the deed has been done. I've accepted the goal. This was all bait. Even the Reverend Mother on the ship was bait, and Paul knew it. This was a trap, and he just put both feet in. Which I think is funny, because we look at Leto, his father. The trap was right in front of him, right? Here is Arrakis. All of the riches you could ever want, but you know it's going to be a trap because the Harkonnens aren't going to give it up easy. What are you going to do? Jump in the ring. You yep. look at his his the grandfather, right? Fighting bulls in the arena, knowing this could kill you. We're just gonna step in. So those Atreides mans are, you know, they're very gun ho about challenges in their life. Yeah, they uh, they just walk in. They 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 the best trap to them is a trap they can spring themselves. They want to know what's happening. Uh. So. So now we just have the Gola, we have Paul, and Stilgar still there. Stilgar steps in front of Paul, looking him square in his blue-on-blue blue eyes, and says, the creature in the tank gives me the shudders. But his gift, send it away. Paul's like, nah, I can't do that. <laughs> so Stilgar rebuttals, Idaho is dead. This is not him. Let me take his water for the tribe, which is by far the most metal Fremen thing ever. <laughs> I'm, I'm really glad he does it. I actually think that's like the best definition of Stilgard ever. Yeah. Just being so like, no, no, Paul, this is what we got to do. <laughs> yeah. And Paul Paul's, just being like, no, nah, it's cool. Yeah, it's I got cool. my own plans. I'll take care of it. <laughs> it's cool. My guy. I mean, yeah. Paul says the Gola is now his problem. Stilgar protests, but finally says very well, very well. Steps down the dais to leave. But as he walks past hate, he gives him a good smell. <laughs> what you smell like, boy? You think that was like a, like a, like a very, like, did he walk by and just kind of like, or did he like walk up to him and like give him a big old sniff? You know what I mean? He took a big old whiff. I feel like I think he just went. Yeah, yeah I don't like this. I feel like, like I'm picturing stink. I'm picturing the Stilgar from the movie. You know, just like walks up to him, stops, turns around, gets up real close to Jason Momoa, gives him a big old big old sniff. That's that's how I was picturing it. It's but. just like when they spit on the table and it's like, what is happening? <laughs> but you're just sniffing each other. Just what is happening? So, right. Of course, Paul loves this. He just gets a kick out of it and thinks how Fremen believe evil can be detected by smell, which I think is so funny because their sieges just reek. <laughs> like smell, they smell awful. But they're like, no, that's the smell of home. So they're looking. They know smells. Well, when when the evil uh, 
Imperial people show up, they all smell like soap. And that's evil. So that's how they know. Hygiene is bad. Yeah, the smell of evil is the smell of soap. Golly. I mean, we can just rabbit trail on that real fast because how many of the Fremen now know opulence and culture and smells good? How far have they drifted into using Dr. Bronner's every day to get that mixture peppermint fresh instead of, <laughs> instead of the smell of sand. So of course, uh, Stilgar does this, but, and he's like still trying to figure this out, even though Stilgar has planted the green and white Atreides banner on a dozen worlds, which I think is crazy. Stilgar's led all of these battles massacred all these people under the under the banner of Muhadi, but he's still deep down a superstitious Fremen. He's just doing it for his LinkedIn, you know. He's gotta look good. He's gotta look yeah. good. So Paul, now alone with his gift, whispers to himself, Duncan, Duncan, what have they done to you? Hate hears him. I don't know how. He's got crazy eyes. Maybe he's got crazy ears too. And says, They gave me life, my lord. Paul asks again, but why were you trained and given to us? And here it is, the thesis statement, just underline it. Hate says flat out, they intend me to destroy you. Bum, bum, bum. And I feel like that's Duncan speaking right there, not Hate being like, Mm. hey, my Lord, you know, Paul, we've been through so much together. I'm going to tell you what they want to do with me and you. I don't think hate per se would set that because he was so robotic in a way when Paul was like, should we call you hate? Should we call you Duncan? But I feel like that's the, that's the Duncan part of him being like still showing emotions and maybe he's starting to wake up and realize who he is. Huh. Right. And he just flat out just tells him, which of course the candor of the statement just shook Paul. Right. But again, this is how a Zen Sunni mentat was supposed to respond. Just flat out tell you the truth. Right. So now we can't. Is this is this Duncan trying to save me? Is it just the programming? Right. At this point with Dune, though, when I read that, I underlined it because I was like, what is the purpose of him saying that the intention was to destroy? Like what? There's always like plans within plans. Yeah. So like Mm -hmm. he was. In my brain, hate was supposed to tell Paul that he was intended to destroy him. What does that do for Paul? Like, what does that mean to him? And like, how does that make him, you know, like maybe the honesty is making him trust hate even more. And in that, you know, like in that trust, it's building up the idea that this is Duncan Idaho or something like that. It's like, Where's the scheme? Where's the poop? There's some something is rotten in here. We got to figure it out, you know? Something smells bad. And it's also really a big mind fuck for Paul. Like, whoa, I didn't see that one coming. Yeah. Like you guys were saying, like, I see everything that before it happens, but I didn't see, you know, this happening that you're going to come and kill me and destroy me. Yeah. Anna from YouTube says, and how do they destroy him? They destroy him physically, psychologically, and spiritually. Well, she 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 phrased them as questions, but yes, this seems to be All the answer to the, the question. Right. They want to take him down in every capacity, and taking uh, his best friend is and using him against him. That's just an extra form of rotten. So, and of and, course, he's the Paul is looking that the that the Tlaloax who did something, something in the flesh. Right. And and we look at the eyes. They don't need to have eyes like this. Yet we have steely mechanical eyes. This was a deliberate choice. Which I also think is weird. I like the mechanic eyes. I really do. Why? I I it makes it Oh, Evan, you got your little your little stuff animal. Everything's it's gonna my be my emotional okay, support worm. <laughs> I need to hold <laughs> on. I it gives it that sci-fi feel, but yet not over sci-fi. I feel like it just goes with the world that Dune is, and I love that. If it was just Duncan, 
with his normal eyes, Paul can maybe see in his soul, but it's like a shield kind of like blocking Duncan or hate. Yeah. So Paul looks up to Aaliyah and in her secret little spy room, wishing he knew what she was thinking. Paul looked back at Duncan. All right. So you're here to kill me. What should I do to protect myself? And hate says the same thing that Stilgar says. You should send me away. So Paul asks, how are you to destroy me? Hate looks at the guards, then looks around the giant room and finally brings his steely eyes back to Paul's. This is a place where a man draws away from people. It speaks of such power that one can contemplate it comfortably only in the remembrance of all things finite. Did my Lord's ocular powers plot his course into this place? Which I'm like, what? What are you trying to say there? Paul drums his fingers against the throne's arms. Hmm. This was a leading question seeking from a mentat who's just looking for more data. Right. How do I do this? So Hate and Paul spar back and forth now with Zen Sunni sayings, both mentats now looking for more data. Finally, Paul says, you must teach me this Zen Sunni way with rhetoric. Hate's metal eyes glittered for the moment and then said, my lord, perhaps that was, that's what was intended. Paul responds, ideas are most feared when they become actions. Which, if you're not underlining that in the book, that's some good juice right there. Good juice. Mm -hmm. You can talk all day long until you make an action. Well, it goes back to the whole cause and effect. Like, you're going to make this cause the action right there. Yeah, that's that's really good, right? Because he's countering that Zen Sunni philosopher in him being like, ah, we can't, in order to change the universe, you got to make it, you have to do something. Hate at this point almost pleads with Paul, like Duncan would plead with his young friend, saying to send him away. Paul feels trapped by the voice, and he said, You will stay, and we both will exercise caution. Hate then bowed in submission. Paul glances up towards Aaliyah again. Golas were ghosts to frighten children. He'd never thought he'd know one, even being emperor, which is weird. But to know that this one was he had right before him that cr- almost crushed him this one this duncan was was too much to handle paul closed his eyes thinking to himself why had no vision showed him this and hate is still all right there watching this whole thing happen he op- paul opens his eyes and spoke hate do you have the power of prescience? Like, if I can't see you, why can't I not see you? Yeah, yeah. So, do you, can you also see the future? Hate says no. So, that's nice. But Paul could feel something hideous clouding this Gola from him. And then here it comes again disengage, disengage disengage the thought trolled his mind those were frank words it trolled him that's told oh goon. oh man i think it's so much better if it's trolled i'll put i'll put an r in right thanks all right <laughs> you goon <laughs> disengage so yeah there's that there's that something in him that's telling him to leave almost deep within him like a terrible purpose again leave Aaliyah sat in her secret spy room, hand on her chin, staring down at the Gola. There was something about this flesh that was almost magnetic. The Telaxu restoration had given him youth and innocent intensity, which called out to her. She understood Paul's unspoken plea. When oracles failed, it was time to turn to real spies and physical powers. She wondered about her own eagerness to accept this challenge this challenge to get close to hate. She felt drawn to this new man to touch him, to feel him. Oh, gosh. He's a danger to both of us, she thought. And this ends the chapter. Yeah, basically, Aaliyah looks down from her little her window 
It was just like, tell me something, girl. <laughs> right? <laughs> She's into it. It's weird. It's yeah, weird. we should rename him not hate, but hot. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is some fan fiction now. <laughs> I mean, she is prime 15-year-old hormonal energy with a bunch of old women inside her as well <laughs> who know how to make babies. And that's been their purpose <laughs> for so long is to make sure that the line continues. She knows what's up deep down. And of course, she hate is, we know this, um, the plan. Like, she, <laughs> Di- Diana on YouTube says, Elias' first crush would be a Goa. Yeah, that fits her creepy weirdness. But yeah, yeah, there's this hate is also a trap for Paul and a trap for Aaliyah. The plotters need both of them down yeah. in order for other like if it's just Paul sticking out of the picture, you're gonna have this new religion built around Saint Aaliyah of the Knife. I would she, be terrified if it was just Aaliyah by herself. I think she would go full Benny Jets or you know, Scarlet Witch House of Them. If you yeah. guys get that reference, yeah, you know what I'm yeah, talking sure. about. You know, I think she would be a force to be reckoned with. Like we always say Paul is the one, but I feel like Aaliyah would create even more genocide. Like you killed my brother. I'm, I'm going to take down the world pretty much the whole universe. Yeah. I, she, I definitely think she's more scary than Paul. Paul has some restraint a little. She's full blown. She could also fulfill the prophecy just as well as he could. Right. right. She was born on Arrakis to over to like the, the Bene Gesserit. So like it, she also could fulfill all the stuff. So, all right, here we are. The plot has been set. Hate is in the room. Congratulations, Evan. We now have Duncan Idaho back, but is it Duncan Idaho? No. Or it's is it not? Or maybe, or is it? Maybe it's not. Maybe there's a plot within plans within plans. Hmm. All right, we just want to plug again at Dune News Net for Simon for all your Dune-related news. And we also do a podcast uh, called Dune Talk that we're available on YouTube, all those and you know podcast catchers. We're going to be collaborating more together. So yeah. I know Caleb's going to be on our next show. And Evan, I think you should not listen to that one yeah. because we're going to talk about the impact of Dune Messiah in the universe gotcha i'll have to i'll have to stay stay out of that one yeah is there yeah. like an opposite feature from bookmark it's like like a, yeah just like, no <laughs> block nope. reject stay away yep. <laughs> so find us on twitter at reading dune you can support us on patreon patreon.com slash reading dune you can go to reading dune.com to buy more mugs and merch and stuff like that. And if you want more mugs, we'll just have to like bother Evan in the Discord to make more mug designs if you want more or something. Mm-hmm. Let us know. Mm-hmm. Email us, readingdune at gmail.com. I think that's all the things we've got to say at the end. Thank you so much for joining us. And as always, stay spicy, my friends. Stay spicy. Yeah. Thanks, guys.